following program comes to you from the MNL Studios. And welcome in to the Market London Podcast. Good to have you. Got some good stuff today. Speaking of, we have comments with that. Oh. On this day in history, we'll take a look at what year is it. We have four, hmm. not three. We have four, which gives you a chance to redeem last week's truly embarrassing outing on your part. So now we have uh, a list. They kind of do this around the first of the year every year. Uh, there's a list of, at this point, uh, top whatever. Today we have for you the top rock albums in history. Oh, jeez. So, uh, I don't do social media. Linda does, and she shows me every day stuff that she knows I'll enjoy. Yesterday, she made the mistake. She showed me a panda bear eating a carrot. <laughs> I got that for you today. Have we seen the last of Jimmy Fallon and Bruce Willis? Oh. Now, last week... Um, this news broke, um, and I dealt with it, uh, but didn't really have the chance uh, or the time to get into it uh, responsibly. And this was, quite frankly, this, you know, I'm not thinking clearly. Uh, and Linda was the one that had mentioned this. And, and I completely, at the moment she said it, concurred that this moment that we experienced a week ago deserves the proper shout out. Oh, great. Hang on a second. <laughs> Let me just kill this for a moment. Obviously we're calling Todd. And you know, I would say this would be a much cleaner ship, but this is the same crap we would have done if... Todd? Yeah. All right, here we go. <laughs> mark, mark, mark. Here we, this is... Nobody's shocked at this. Typical, typical. So as I was saying, and Todd didn't hear it, last week this news broke of a, a, a very sad passing of one of the icons of sports, not only sports in Los Angeles, but around the world. And who better to shape up the story that is Tommy Lasorda than Todd Donahoe? Nineteen twenty-seven. What a year in American history. It was the year that Charles Lindbergh flew solo from New York to Paris, crossing the Atlantic. It was the year that Hollywood turned to talking films, as Americans heard and saw their first talking movie, Al Jolson and the Jazz Singer. 
It was the year that Gene Tunney upset and knocked out Jack Dempsey to win the heavyweight championship of the world. And it was the year that Babe Ruth hit 60 home runs in a season. And right about the time that he hit his 60th home run of the season, Thomas Charles Lasorda was born in September 1927 in Norristown, Pennsylvania. Oh, Tommy loved baseball, and he was a good baseball player. Hey, he made it to the major leagues, and although he had a short career, he did get to the big leagues. He pitched for the Dodgers for a couple of years and held the dubious distinction of holding a major league record of the most wild pitches in one inning, three. Well, it was shortly after that game that the Dodgers released their left-handed pitcher, Tommy, to make room for another left-hander who Tommy said he thought he was better, meaning Tommy was better than this other left-hander. Oh, that other left-hander, his name was Sandy Koufax. (laughs) So Tommy finished his career with uh, one season uh, in the American League with the Kansas City Athletics. And shortly after that, the general manager of the Dodgers, Al Campanis, decided to sign Tommy to a contract to be a scout. And later, after being a scout, a major, a minor league coach, and then a minor league manager, and then the third base coach of the Dodgers, and then finally, when Walter Alston decided to retire, Tommy Lasorda became the manager of the Dodgers in 1976. He managed for 20 seasons. He was two times the major league manager of the year in the National League. Two times the Dodgers won the World Series. And who will ever forget that incredible managing job Lasorda did in 1988? taking that patchwork quilt full of Dodgers to the World Series, riding Oral Hershiser to victory. It was one of the greatest managing jobs of all time. Of course, Lasorda, he had his critics. There was one time a newspaper columnist wrote of Tommy and, and wrote that all Tommy Lasorda could do as a manager was motivate, to which Lasorda answered, yeah, and all Caruso could do was sing. <laughs> well... Tommy Lasorda had a wonderful major league career as a manager with the Los Angeles Dodgers. One summer day in 1996, Tommy was managing the Dodgers. His godson, Mike Piazza, put one out in the bottom of the ninth for a comfort behind Dodger victory. That night, Lasorda was supposed to speak at a boy gathering. He spoke at so many of them. And Tommy suffered a heart attack, chest pains announcing the next day that he would retire from baseball. But Tommy stayed with the Dodgers for many years after that as a special assistant, helping out the Dodgers in any possible way. He did it until the very end. And in this past year, we've lost so many Hall of Famers, Hall of Famers like Bob Gibson, and Tom Seaver, and Phil Necro, Joe Morgan, Lou Brock, Al Kaline. Well, those guys need a Hall of Fame manager. And that's what Tommy became in 1997, inducted into Baseball's Hall of Fame. Tommy always called Dodger Stadium Blue Heaven. Well, now Blue Heaven has Tommy Lasorda as its manager. Rest in peace. Tommy Lasorda, number two, his uniform retired. Yes, maybe number two in your program, number one in the hearts of Dodger fans.
know, um, Todd, last week uh, we were doing the show and, and somebody in the chat told Linda that Tommy had passed away and I um, shared a memory and I don't know if you heard it, but I'll, I'll quickly share this. It's not going to surprise you or shock you. We we had, and I don't remember the year, but we had a Little League world champion near us in the Southern California area. Would have been Long Beach. Okay. So right. we, we had the Long Beach All-Stars come up and Tommy had agreed. They came up to Dodger Stadium while we were broadcasting our show. And they, Tommy had agreed to meet with the team, work them out while we were broadcasting. And it took the entire hour because Tommy doesn't do, especially when it comes to baseball, he doesn't do anything half-ass. And he saw some talent there and he started really working with them. And it was hard for us to corral Tommy over to say goodbye, to say, you know, thank you. And and because it was 10, it was time to go. And so we had the team huddled around and there's Tommy standing there and we're live on the air and we've got maybe 60 seconds. And, and I think I said, so Tommy, do you have any one last thing you want to say to the, to the kids? It went, Todd, for an hour. <laughs> and, 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 and here's the, here's the kicker. To, now we, we've got commercials. We've got hell we're off the air it's time for mark and brian to be gone and 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 for bob coburn to come in what tommy said to those kids was so inspiring and he meant every word he said i had tears in my eyes and we did not leave the air until tommy had finished and it was it was that great and you can say what you want about tommy lasorda i loved Two things about him. Number one, there was only one Tommy Lasorda. He, he didn't have other hats. That He was what he was. And you got that every single time. And I don't know that I've ever seen more passion packed into a short, fat guy than was in Tommy Lasorda. He inspired me. When he finished that Little League speech, I was ready to suit up and beat the fuck out of somebody. Well, he was the perfect manager for Hollywood. I mean, the guy was the guy was great on television, radio, uh, whatever it was. He was the perfect manager for the team from Hollywood, Los Angeles. Uh, we had him on, Mark. Remember uh, my old Monday Night Live program after Monday Night Football? Of course. And Tommy came on. We we had a segment for a while, for several years actually, where Circuit City was a sponsor. And uh, uh, our contestants, the members of the studio, on would throw a football through a tire. And if they threw it through the tire, they'd win a prize. But we'd always have our in-studio guests give it a shot, too. So Lasorda comes on, he says, let me have that. And this was, I remember, it was Christmas. It was our Christmas Day show, Christmas night, uh, 1997. So he had already, uh, he had already uh, been inducted to the Hall of Fame that summer. And Tom says, let me have it. So he takes the football. On his first try, throws it right through the tire. His reaction was if he had won the seventh game of the World Series. I mean, he just—he was so fired up. It was just incredible. Going, Tommy, it's a football and a tire and a TV show. It didn't matter. He absolutely loved it. He uh, absolutely. Loved now, Todd, I wanted to share this. This, uh, out of all my experiences with Tommy in person and watching him manage the Dodgers. I have always loved this because this is 
Tommy Lasorda, this clip, this is only a minute. Tommy was, as the manager, walked out to the mound and he was going to talk to the pitcher. And he didn't know he was miked. He didn't know people could hear what he was saying, but it was, not only was it miked, he, he was recorded. But for me, this, this is Tommy Lasorda. Tell you what I think about it. I think that is very, very bad for that man to make an accusation like that. That is terrible. I have never, ever, since I've managed, ever told a pitcher to throw at anybody, nor will I ever. And if I ever did, I certainly wouldn't make him throw at a fucking 130 hitter like LaFay or fucking Bavacqua, who could hit water if he fell out of a fucking boat. And I guarantee fucking to you this, when I pitched, and I was going to pitch against a fucking team that had guys on it like Bavacqua, I sent a fucking limousine to get the cocksucker to make sure he was in the motherfucking lineup because I kicked that cocksucker's ass any fucking day in a week. He's a fucking motherfucking big mouth, I'll tell you that. You know, the thing is, Mark, he goes back to it another day, too, you know. I mean, the cancel culture would have him now, probably, I guess. I don't know. But that's just so priceless. But the other thing about Tommy and, and, and managing a baseball, he didn't know what pitch count was. You know, today, major league managers are absolutely obsessed with pitch count. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, guy, a guy could be throwing great. He gets around to 100 pitches. They pull him out of the game. Yeah. Oh, we're going to save you for the next game. Yeah. Tommy was never like that at all. I think one time Fernando threw 160 pitches in a game. And all Fernando, and all Tommy said was, hey, did you pitch him too much? I went out to him. Freddie said, I feel fine. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm good, Skip. And, you know, that's how he got the World Series in 1988. He rode Earl Hershiser to a championship. Just just said, hey, keep pitching, Bulldog, keep pitching. I don't know how many pitches he's thrown. He looks fantastic. And Tommy, Tommy, he managed by feel. He didn't manage by today's modern analytics and statistics and baseball metrics and all that kind of stuff. You know, um, Tommy said something once that I, I thought was unique. I don't think that many people would remember it. I did. Because to me, it was the equivalent of take what the defense gives you. Tommy once said, you play what's in front of you. And to me, that meant whatever it is that you're facing on any given day, you assess it and you play according to that. Because certain guys, certain teams require different things if you expect to win. So I dug that quote. And again, I've never heard anybody re-quote it. I just liked it. Yeah. And that, and that clip that you just played of Tommy, was that from when he was talking to the Little Leaguers? <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, yeah. Uh, mm, I have, right. Oh my! Uh, wait, yeah. I have a question. Yeah. Do you yeah. Re, do you remember Mark the time that you and Brian hung up on Tommy Lasorda? I. Why did we do that? Because you thought you were going to talk to Manny Riveras, and when you picked up the phone, he yelled, "I'm not Manny." Oh shit! Do you remember no, that? I don't. No, I don't. That <laughs> sounds very much like it. All right. So now. So Todd and his wife are down in Florida. They wanted to get away. I mean, Todd said it yesterday when I called him. They're just out on the beach every day, not around people. They're, 
They're playing it safe. And Todd, if I know you, you and Paula drove down to Florida, did you not? Of course, man. 20 hours from Kansas City to St. Petersburg. Jesus. Now, that brings up the point, Todd, here we go. There are four teams, uh, I'm sorry, four games, eight teams remaining. Your Kansas City Chiefs, the reigning Super Bowl champions, are in it. Uh, they have to face the Browns tomorrow. And, you know, when, when you look at these four games, uh, they look like they could be blowouts, but these are the playoffs. And so you never kind of know what's going to happen. Because as they say, any team can beat any team. But I, the point I wanted to ask you, somebody said something the other day, first time I'd heard it. There are some people that are saying that the Kansas City Chiefs are suffering from a Super Bowl hangover. What? I, right. I heard that and I thought, well, wait a minute. They've lost one game this yeah, year. Yeah, they're, they're 14 and 2, but the last game of the season they lost when they sat everybody. They brought up people from the practice squad. And, and, and so the Chiefs, here's the Chiefs. They are tan, rested, and ready. Their last two home games were in Kansas City. Then they had a bye week, and now they don't have to leave Kansas City to get to the Super Bowl. So they will have had six weeks staying in Kansas City, no travel. Now, one thing I will say about this, this year in the playoffs, home field advantage means as little as it ever has yeah. in, in the playoffs because, one, there's you know the fans. I mean, I think there's 20,000 Chiefs fans who are there, and Arrowhead seats like 78,000 people. So there will be 20,000 fans. And the other part is, uh, weather's not a factor. I mean, all four teams in the AFC are cold-weather teams that are left in the playoffs. So it's not like, you know, Los Angeles or in years past San Diego or uh, a, a southern team, uh, the Miami Dolphins, coming in to take on uh, a cold-weather team. That's not happening. And in the NFC, it's kind of the same way as well. It's New Orleans and Tampa Bay. And I guess, you know, Green Bay, okay, they're, you know, they're uh, – Green Bay's a northern team, so they're, they've got maybe a, a little bit of advantage. But again, without that many fans, I, I just don't think the home field is going to be that big of an uh, important thing this year. All right, now, Todd, I'm going to say it, and I'm going to ask you to say it. Um, every year we get, we get to a point where uh, you look at the AFC and you look at the NFC, and there's clearly uh, a winner there. There is a division, whether it's the NFC or the AFC, that has the best teams. Uh, this year, it clearly is the AFC. Uh, that's where the Kansas City Chiefs are. That's where the Bills are. That's where the Ravens are. So it's clearly, in my mind, an AFC team. So I believe, Todd, that the game, because many years there is a playoff game and the winner goes to the Super Bowl, and it's clear that that playoff game is probably going to be better than the Super Bowl. And I believe that to be the case this year, Todd. I believe that your Kansas City Chiefs are going to have to face the Buffalo Bills. Well, I think that's probably going to be the case as well in the AFC Championship game. But to me, the real storyline in, in this playoffs are all these young quarterbacks in the AFC, Mahomes, Mayfield, Jackson, and Josh Allen, Okay, for, for Baltimore, for, for Buffalo. And then on the other side, the NFC, 
You've got Breeze, Brady, and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. So my, my thought is, yes, I believe the better teams, the younger teams, uh, are in the AFC. But you get to the uh, to the Super Bowl, and if it's one of those three veteran quarterbacks, look out. Look out. Hey, the Chiefs beat the Tampa here in Tampa uh, earlier this season. The Chiefs were leading by, a, I don't know what it was, it was like three touchdowns going to the fourth quarter. Brady's rallying them in the fourth quarter to a point where the Chiefs had to make a stop late in the game to ensure the victory. So, I mean, there's still there's still magic in Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. So that's the only thing I caution, and, and it's whoever makes it through, if it's going to be a veteran quarterback from the NFC, NFC against a young team, whatever it is from, from the AFC, and I think it's going to be the Chiefs, but if it's the Bills, whatever, any these other two teams, okay, the storyline will be the veteran against the young quarterback. The, the new, the new, the new, the new kids against the old veterans, and it's going to be a great story, a great game. Yeah, I, I, I really believe we're going to be looking at the Kansas City Chiefs and the Green Bay Packers in the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers is coming off what may wind up being an MVP season, uh, which is crazy, uh, but he is. Uh, I would love to see that game because that really sets up what you're talking about: the young quarterback versus the veteran. The veteran is playing lights out football crazy ability Aaron Rodgers I'd like I'd like to see that game now Todd let me remind you hey and by the way this date in sports history 1967 Super Bowl one Chiefs against the Packers I know I saw that I'm going to mention I'm going to mention that and I think um so Todd I just want to remind you your Kansas City Chiefs are going into the playoffs now, and it's going to be a big weekend and I just want to remind you that last year and I'm not preaching Todd I'm not but last year for the Super Bowl, you said that that you were going to keep it to a couple of beers uh, during the game, and we found out that you you did uh, in the first quarter. You kept it to a couple of beers, and then at the half, I think I heard the word scotch uh, was broken out, and you imbibed, and then you continued to, and then by the end of the game. Not only were you plastered, but you then climbed in a car, not yeah. not driving. You were in the path, and your son drove you around the city of, of Kansas City, uh, and and I, I I brought up the fact that you went against your word of, of a couple of beers, and your your comment to me was, Mark, I'm a flawed person. <laughs> I am. I have my flaws. I have my problems. I know that. Okay. I'm a human being. Okay. I'm a fallen person sometimes. But that was true. Let me. You know, if you can't be at, at, at the Super Bowl of your team, yes. the next best thing is to be in the city. In the city when your team wins the Super Bowl, and I mean Kansas City went nuts that night, and uh, I mean everybody just turned out in the streets and driving around and high fiving each other, and it was. Uh, so much fun! I, I hope we can repeat it again this year because it was it was so much fun last year. Now this uh, this weekend for the game, I do have some beers iced down, ready to go, and then also I have some gin. Because you know, I mean, well, here's here's the deal. I mean, if you want to get there faster, gin is the ticket. You know what I mean? Beer's like taking the Pony Express. Jen's like taking the bullet train, you know. If you want to get there faster. Um. I got to tell you, look, when you're a fan 
and your team is playing great and they're in the big game, if you can't get fucking plowed and enjoy it, what good is it? So, uh, Todd, uh, we will be watching. I will be thinking of you. We're cheering for you. Uh, I still say pound for pound, Patrick Mahomes does things that nobody else can do. And I look forward to seeing that. And the, and the thing is, with Andy Reid's imaginative playbook, every single game, yeah. they will have a play or two where you will say, I've never seen that play before. It's so imaginative. And it's, I've never had, I've watched football my whole life. It's, you know, my favorite team sport. And, and uh, I've never had more fun in watching a team yeah. than watching the Chiefs the last three years since Patrick Mahomes has been the starting quarterback. And, and, it's just so much fun to watch. And I mean, Todd, it, it just goes, it, it, listen, when the Chiefs are playing in Kansas City, the city stops. Everybody's watching again. Well, Wait I'll, I'll bring up a throw that, and it's this year that I know. In fact, it was maybe three weeks ago. Uh, you'll remember it. Uh, Mahomes was over on the left side of the of the field, uh, literally falling out of bounds, and he flips the ball thirty yards to the back corner of the end zone. It was a perfect strike for a touchdown that nobody saw coming. And I think it's the reason he does this. He throws from so many different angles. Is he's a he's a baseball player too. You know, his dad's a former major league pitcher, and uh, and he played a lot of baseball growing up. And so he's like a shortstop that can throw sidearm if he has to, over the top if he has to, three quarters if he has to, and he throws a football like that too. He's amazing. Well, Todd, listen, you and Paula enjoy. We're cheering for your Chiefs the very best, and thank you for carving out some time for us to remember the great Tommy Lasorda. You bet. And my best to you guys in the new year. See you soon, Todd. Bye, Todd. Have a good right. trip. See you later. <laughs> I've got some beers iced out, but I've also got some gin. Yeah, Boy. if you want to get there faster. Well, that's that's the key. <laughs> I mean, that just is. All right, so a um, couple of things. Need to blow my nose. Oh. Uh, we so uh, you know with the lockdown, we still are. Um, uh, we are watching some uh, some television each night. We'll go into the theater and we'll watch a little bit of whatever. <clears throat> and I had seen this this show up there on the screen on Netflix. I watch a lot of Netflix, and um, and I saw it. And, and up there, and I had I had heard that it was really good. Oh yeah, it had been recommended to us on our um, website. Not only that, just the reviews that yeah. that, that it was great, uh, but it was about an octopus, and I didn't want to. I didn't. I don't want to see an octopus, and so mm. I didn't watch it. Not when there's you know good stuff up there. Yeah, like killing. And uh, and so then Linda, we finished what we were doing. Linda said, "Why don't we watch uh, my octopus teacher?" My octopus teacher. Now I. Because, you know, a guy will wind up watching shit that he wouldn't usually watch whenever the wife or girlfriend wants to. So. Right. Um, this thing is probably one of the most unique films I've ever seen. And beautiful. Just I'm, beautiful. It's, it, it's unbelievable what they did. And it's this little bitty documentary it's this, and it's this moment, and I really shouldn't say anything. Yeah, don't say anything. Uh, but I had a block on it, and uh, we we have watched it now, and it is one of the most original, unique 
films I've ever seen. There is no way that you will not be moved by what you witness. Yeah. And and there's some learning in there too. There's she, it, she does actually teach. And, and I'll tell you, it's about an octopus. Yeah. Period. But listen, highly, highly, I would recommend this over Bone Tomahawk. Ooh. I would. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just saying the words. I absolutely would. All right. So we'll get to comments here in a second. I just want to say something. Um, you guys, if you want to picture what Mark looks like with his long hair, just think of um, Doc yeah. from Back to the Future. Yeah. That's exactly what Mark is looking like these days. <coughs> it's true. I I, um, I don't know what it was. I was sitting out and I was thinking about uh, Michael J. Fox was on the screen and that took me back to Back to the Future. And I realized that I do. That's what my hair looks like. I look like him, the old guy, uh, and uh, and and that's my existence. I haven't had a haircut. We have been locked down for a year. Yeah, in okay. February to be a year since we've um, had our haircut. Now we are like the rest of you. Um, the um, the vaccine and the release of the vaccine has been a complete nightmare, which is no shock. Uh, it's about to improve drastically. So hopefully. We are in hopes that we're going to get a vaccine very, very soon, and we can then go back to uh, traveling to California to see our kids and, and do our thing and, and get back to life. But hopefully all of you, uh, Los Angeles, so hard hit uh, by this. Uh, there's no hospital beds. I saw on CNN today that L.A. County has run out of places and are searching for places to put bodies. Yeah. They're out. No place. But it's not real. They're making these numbers up. Right. Yeah. Hey, you, hey <laughs> you, you tell me to be, and I'm being good, and then you. I know it. I can't help it. Uh, it's just, it's just, this is just unreal. Well, I'll tell you something that's unreal, and it's this. And now. Hey, Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Again. Nothing up my sleeve. Crystal! <laughs> Ooh, don't know my own strength. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. And now, comments. Skeeter. Haley says, hey guys, I just wanted to say how much I appreciate the show and both of you for keeping it throughout the pandemic. It's provided a sense of normalcy and something to look forward to during a time when both of those things are majorly lacking. I also want to thank you for keeping us up to speed on what's happening in the sex bot industry. Every time I start to wonder about the state of the sex bot, <laughs> we get an update. Yeah. Eternally grateful. Well, I mean, these things that used to be an inflatable doll, it's way not that anymore. This bitch talks to you and she learns what you like to hear and she'll say it. Uh, Ron B says they have this new place called Home Depot where you can buy a lock for your closet, dumbasses. What does he mean? When you want to find a place to hide your oh, spot. Uh, well, see, but then you're going to get the question from your kids. Hey, Dad. Why is the closet locked? Yeah, and what? 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 what it, let me know what the answer is. Um, Avery in Santa Clarita says, regarding where to hide your sex robot when the children visit for holiday, where is your imagination? Buy that bad boy or girl a Santa suit or any other themed costume and put it in the entryway. Let everyone think you're feeling extra festive. Hey, Dad, your Santa Claus has titties. <laughs> <clears throat> 
Um, Tom from Santa Clarita says, oh, lots of Santa Clarita here. Well, first of all, I love the fact that the, the, the topic of where to hide your sex spot got two comments this week. Oh, a bunch of comments. That's crazy. Hey, Mark, I know you hate corrections. I live with them. But it was the River Country Water Park that was shut down and folks have been caught camping there. It wasn't the Animal King, and I looked it up and he is correct. It was the water park, because he, Tom feels like that's very important for you to know the difference. Yeah, it really is. Thank you, Tom. I really, I'm depressed. I didn't know exactly what the fuck that was, but they did let the animals go. There was no animals at the water park. Says you. Andrea says, not to pick on Mark, <laughs> But when you were listing films from the National Film Registry, The Man with the Golden Gun is not a Bond film. It stars Frank Sinatra and Kim Novak, directed by Otto Primager. A Primager. And is about heroin addiction. Oh, okay. Great film. Okay, okay. you know what? Yes, thank you. Um, there was something with uh, James Bond Golden, but, but okay. And you know, I've never seen it. And I need to get that done. I will. Okay, good call. Martin says, as a truck driver, I haul King's Hawaiian bread from the Torrance plant, but I won't eat it. I don't like it. I'm with you, Martin. I don't like it. It's too sweet. And this may sound yeah. weird because it's bread. It's just, it's too bready. There's just, it's, it's just too much. Like if you're going to have a hamburger on their bun, it's, it, it's just too much bread. Too much bread in the bread. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing about bread. Don't put too much bread in it. Yeah. Uh, no, he says... You have a shark pup. <laughs> oh, oh, is that a, 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 Walker? A, a, Walker. Uh, let's uh, let's do a little update on Mr. Walker T. Walker weighs fourteen point three pounds. Mm. He's twenty eight inches long. He has a fascination with tissue, toilet paper, okay. paper towels. Yeah. Um, the potty training is going pretty good. If he does have an accident in the house, it's our fault because he tells us and we ignore him. Mm -hmm. Um, he's very vocal, which sometimes gets on my nerves. He talks. And barks. We're trying to curb that barking a little bit. Uh, he has done incredibly well with his balls being removed. Yep. Uh, the, the, the joy of the whole thing was uh, Dr. James took out some baby teeth that would not come out on their own. It changed my life. Um, I mean, he still will break skin every now and then, but before it was razor blade cuts. That's because y'all wrestle. See, he knows that he not to bite me, so. Well, it, good for you. Yeah. But you wrestle with dogs. Yeah. They love it. You do the wrestling, I'll do the rest. Fine. And one of his uh, favorite things is uh, helping me make the bed, which y'all can imagine what my bed looks like after Walker helps me make it. Linda called me. I got a text. Linda just said, come upstairs. I went up, and the bed was in, in, in the process of being changed, the sheets. Uh, but the sheet was corralled around the center of the bed and then the center of the sheet was Walker <laughs> and he refused to move. Yeah, and barking. It got changed eventually. Yeah. All right, here's our third correction of the day. Susie says, it's Jerry and the Pacemakers. Fine. It's spelled G-E-R-R-Y, but whatever. Uh, Doug says, hey, Mark, I have an Elvis artwork I would like to give you for your years of making me laugh my ass off. Where do I send it? Doug, thank you very much. Thank you for considering us for this. But no, thank you. You keep that Elvis artwork. I got a bunch. Yeah, we don't want any more. 
And then Dave says, why don't you stream on IG paintings? We really enjoyed it. Well, Dave, since we got this puppy, that's all we do. We don't have time for anything else. IG paintings. You remember when uh, in March and April we went in there and you would paint and I would put it on Instagram? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we don't have time for that anymore. Mm. And then um, our last comment is from Jennifer and also SoCal Steph made a comment about this. Discovered a song you two might enjoy, and it fits with the MNL show. Was watching History of Swear Words on Netflix. We watched that, but we only watched fucking shit. We stopped after that. Um, there is an episode, Bitch. There is a female blues artist, <coughs> Lucille... Good Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. Lucille Bogan from the 1920s or 30s. Her song, When the Cows Come Home, would make most people blush. And I... <laughs> Every time I fuck them ends, I give them the doggone claps. Oh, baby, give them the doggone claps. But that's the kind of pussy that they really like. <laughs> yeah. I told them I got a good cock, and it's got four damn good names. Rough. Talk, rough cock, tough cock, cock without a bone. You can fuck my cock, suck my cock, or leave my cock alone. Oh, baby, honey, I this all night long. You can fuck my cock, or suck my cock, baby, until the cows come home. You know both of my men, they are tight like that. They got a great big dick, just like a baseball bat. Ooh, fuck me. Do it to me all night long. I want you to do it to me, baby. Honey, till the cows come home. They know a bitch from Baltimore. Uh, yeah, we did the the first one. The fuck was fun, uh, and then after a while, it just kind of was the same over and over. Yeah, yeah. So, so we gave up on it. Yeah, and that's comments. History, 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 history. That happened, and we all let it happen. Well, then it was way back on this day in 1974. The song Leonard Skinner's Sweet Home Alabama released. Leonard Skinner's guitarist Gary Rosington says that the late Ronnie Van Sant lyrics to Sweet Home Alabama were certainly inspired by that of Neil Young. It was kind of a cut back to him because the other man cut down the South and Alabama and all those songs. So we wanted to say, hey, you're from Canada. What do you know about the South anyway? You know, and Ronnie put it in there kind of as a joke. But everything else was real. And the part about Governor Wallace and all this when he was running for president and everybody hated him but us, we just kind of put it all in there and it turned out like it did.
this week, back in 1971, All in the Family debuted on CBS. The groundbreaking series, which tackles social issues in a manner never seen before, uh, brought about possible rapid backlash. So they had extra operators on hand to deal with the phones, but they weren't needed. It was an immediate hit. It was on this day, 1977, the Eagles Hotel California topped the U.S. album chart for the first time. It spent a total of eight weeks at number one. I think you get the idea. Sunday, Monday, happy day. It's on this day, 1974. Happy Days premiered. Friday, happy days. The weekend comes. My cycle hums. Ready to race to you. These days are Well, you heard Todd bring it up, and I was going to mention it, but yeah, it could be a precursor for what's a coming. This day, 1967, the Green Bay Packers defeated the Kansas City Chiefs in the first ever Super Bowl, 35-10. to 10. Mm. It was on this day, 1965, this new startup group called The Who released their first song. <laughs> It was this day back in 1972, this song started a four-week run on top of Billboard charts. A long, long time ago, I can still remember how that music used to make me smile. And I knew if I had my chance that I could make those people dance and maybe they'd be happy for a while But February made me shiver With every paper I'd deliver Bad news on the doorstep I couldn't take one more step It was on this day back in 1970 a song, a classic song, Midnight Rider, was released. It wasn't an Allman Brothers tune. It was by that of Greg Allman. I don't know where that came from, but it took a little over an hour. That was great, hearing it in Electric Horseman. Dickie Betts came to my house one day and he said, come on, I want to take you to the movies. It was in the middle of the afternoon. I said, that's kind of strange. <laughs> but I went, you know, and he didn't tell me anything about it. He'd already seen it, and... Uh, Redford came out of that casino on that horse, man. I heard Willie crank up a midnight rider, man. I stood up in there, all right. That knocked me out. I still get goosebumps when I think about it.
We got us a happy birthday. Uh, actor Carl Weathers, who played Apollo Creed, he turned 73. Damn, Rod, come on! What's the matter with you? Tomorrow. Let's do it tomorrow. There is no tomorrow! There is no tomorrow! That was a great scene. Um, happy birthday. Yesterday, Faye Dunaway, 80. Mm. No! What's wire hangers doing in this closet when I told you no wire hangers ever? Wow. Mm. Uh, it was this week uh, that 1984 brought us the song Glory Days by Bruce Springsteen. Here, uh, E Street saxophonist Clarence Clements talks about where the song came from. Rockousness, wildness, talking about when we were kids. We're looking back at those glory days and born and run days. We're looking back at it kind of, you know, in retrospect and saying, whoa, that's fun. Let's go out and go crazy for a little while. And we used to do that in the glory days. We used to go out and get crazy, man. <laughs> It was on this day back in 1994, Harry Nielsen dies at the age of 53. Happy birthday. Julia Louise Dreyfus turned another year. And finally, it was on this day, 1983. The group Yes relieves the song Leave It. Here, John Anderson talks about his part in it. Leave It was already produced. I just sang on it. It was great to do on stage because we could use tape, sounds and things to make it sound really good. Definitely a new way of looking at working with a group. It worked the first time. It didn't work as well on a big generator, even though we tried it that way, where the band went in to do all the backing tracks and then I came later. It just didn't work as well. I can feel no sense of measure, no illusions as we take. I was always a big fan of Yes. I like that song. I like 
A lot of yes. At first, I thought it it sounded a lot like Pel- uh, Pelotonic. Is that their name? Pelotonic. Yeah. Oh, sure, sure. The, yeah, the yeah, yeah. That, mm-hmm. uh, and then I'm like, damn, this is incredible. All right, <clears throat> you have four. Four. What year is it? Uh, okay, I got to get my head in the game here. Uh, well, I, I'm sure on this day in history was great. I didn't hear most of it because I was taking care of Walker. And he's whining because he wants another chew, and he's already had two, and I can't give him any more because I'm afraid he's going to have a stomach ache. If anyone has any suggestions... Oh, God. Don't call me. <laughs> ...about a chew that will last more they're gonna, than 15 minutes... Well, they're going to tell you animal bones. Okay, I'm not going to do animal bones. I'm not going to do antlers. It's just that I can't find a chew that he just doesn't gobble down. All right, um, four, and I got to tell you, some of these music uh, choices are going to be tough for you. Fuck. Yeah. All right, in fact, we'll start off with one of those. <clears throat> what year is it? Song. Forever trust in who we are And nothing else matters I have no idea who that is. Yeah. Uh, this may help you. Movie. Guess who's alone in New York this Christmas? Don't you know a kid always wins against two idiots? You better do better than this kid! Home Alone 2. Lost in New York. Mm. Home Alone 2. Mm-hmm. And then headlines. It has been an honor and a privilege to come into your homes all these years and entertain you. And I hope and I find something that I want to do and I think you will like and come back that you'll be as gracious inviting me into your home as you have been. I bid you a very heartfelt good night. Um, okay, you have to tell me who sang the first song. Metallica. Oh, shit. Um, okay, so... I, it seems like if I say for Metallica 1992, I pretty much get it. So I will say 1992. Hmm. It is 1992. I don't think this is going to be any more help to you either. Song said year. Okay, I don't know. Who was that? Rush. Oh, fuck! Movie. These 15, 10, 10 commandments. History of the world, part one. It's good to be the king. And headlines. Sandra O'Connor, almost certain to be the first woman justice in the history of the U.S. Supreme Court, talks about abortion and judicial philosophy. Good luck on this. I don't know if Rush was in the 70s or the 80s. You don't? No. They could have been one of those kind of bands that was in both. (laughs) And they might have even continued in the uh, 90s or even now. I don't know. Rush. I have no idea. So... mm -hmm. Let's say... 
1980. I don't ever remember hearing that then. Let's just go with 1980. It is 1980. One. All right, this might be a little more help, but not a ton. Shit. Song, said year. You're one for one, by the yeah, way. No. I'm sorry, one for two. I have no idea who that is either. Motley Crue. Oh. Motley Crue. Uh, movie. All license to kill is revoked. Effective immediately. You're going after Sanchez, aren't you? This private vendetta of yours could easily compromise Her Majesty's government. Uh, it's a James Bond film, Licensed to Kill. Are you sure it's James Bond? Yes. <laughs> and headlines. The noise of gunfire rose from all over the center of Peking. On the streets leading down to the main road to Tiananmen Square, furious people stared in disbelief at the glow in the sky. I will say 1988. Final answer? Yeah. It is 1989. You are one for three. I'm sucking ass. Yeah, one more. <laughs> one more to redeem. You could be 50 50. <sighs> Here we go. Song. Said year. Joan Jett? Yeah. Okay. Movie. The people at the Department of Motor Vehicles are going to be handing you your license. His ah. reputation is riding on it. A sign from the big Mr. Goodwrench in the sky. License to drive. Never heard of that. Nor have I. And headlines. On Gorbachev's American visit, he is to meet with both <clears throat> President Reagan and President-elect Bush. The vice president concluded his Florida vacation this morning and later in Washington met with the first foreign leader since the election, Chancellor Kohl of West Germany. I will say, pound for pound, I think that this is the toughest four entries that I've personally heard. Well, watch this. I'm going to nail this one. Are you? 1988. Now, you said you're going to nail it. Mm -hmm. What led you to that? Well, it's because Joan Jett was on your show and you were sneezing at her, and I knew that it was after 87, so I just picked 88. The reason she knew it was after 87 is because that's when Mark and Brian started, uh, and so she's gone with 88. Yeah. Final answer. Yeah. It is 1980. Eight. Uh, okay, well, you're uh, two for four. 
Five hundred. Yeah, I got it's half. It's respectable. I got sure, half. sure. Well Those done. Those were hard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well done. Yeah, thanks. Um, all right, so I'm just going to do this quick. Let me get me a little bit of music. Here we go. The top rock albums. You got all hundred of them there, bud. And those are the same on the catalog. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is not just rock albums. This is all albums. Okay, so it's 200 you got. This is the top nine. Of all albums. Yes. Currently, they change year to year. Depends on what's going on, but they change. So for right now, through night, uh, through 2020, these are the top nine albums of all time. Okay. See what you think. <clears throat> Number nine, Invasion of Privacy, Cardi B. Mm, okay. Is she, mm-hmm. is she a good one or a bad one? She's a good one. Number eight, Greatest Hits, Tom Petty. And you're talking about if she's a good rapper or not. No, I'm talking about if she's a good rapper. Yeah. Uh, number seven, The Beatles, Number one. Of course. No, the Beatles are there. <clears throat> the Who will be in there. Um, Queen will be in there. Go ahead. Oh, you're done? I'm done. Number six, Journey's Greatest Hits. Mm. I do like me some Steve Perry-led Journey. Sure you do. Ah. Number five, Beatles, Abbey Road. They got two already. Number four, Credence Clearwater Revivals, the 20 greatest hits. Number three, the best of Bob Marley and the Wailers. Number two, Rumors, Fleetwood Mac. That's a good one. And the number one, and I think a lot of this is because of the movie. Oh, it's going to be Queen, huh? Greatest hits. Yeah. Because the movie to me was whatever. I love... Oh, it was just to sell tickets. Well, I loved what the lead actor did who played Freddie. I thought he was great. Right. But the movie was just whatever. Yeah. In my mind. Yeah. All right. So. Let's get to the most important part of this show right now. Which is? The next thing on the list. Which is? The panda eating the carrot. All right. Before we get to the panda eating the carrot, and frankly, any of these, I should tell you, if you're listening uh, early or that you you have no history with this program, I, for one, have an addiction to listening to and even watching animals eat. And I can tell you where this started. Uh, When I was a kid, we would go to my aunt's farm. They had an actual working farm. And they had pigs and cows and chickens and the whole thing. And uh, I would sit on the fence uh, of the pasture and watch the cows eat. And that's where it began. Cows chew side to side. (laughs) Their top doesn't move, only the bottom jaw moves. And it doesn't move up and down, it's left to right, left to right. And there's shit falling out of their mouth. Kinda like how you eat. But I just loved doing it. And that began my love of listening to Animals Eat. So before we get to the the king um, that Linda showed me this week, a panda bear eating a carrot, 
um, I've got for you in the greatest hits of just what Ooh, I've amassed. Yay! I'm only going to give you three, uh, and that includes the panda eating a carrot. First, I give you the great moose, the dog eating his dinner. Here we go, moose. to assume moose is a big fella yeah sizable yeah that guy and did you hear how long it took him to get the food out of the bowl he was really filling his mouth before he would stop mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm, and chew mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all right so to go a little further i have for you now harley the dog eating ice cubes here we go harley I do believe any vet's going to tell you not to do that. Right. Uh, but it's still fun to hear. It was loud. I had to turn my headphones down. Yeah. she. These these last two were sent to me by listeners. Mm-hmm. And these are their personal dogs, Moose and Harley. All right, here we go. Panda eating a carrot. Uh, now, I can tell you uh, the thing that Linda showed me, and that's what this is. Uh, the panda bear is sitting there staring right into the camera. Mm-hmm. He's holding this giant carrot, a really big carrot, and he stares into the camera the entire time and just eats it. And that's really kind of what it is. And the topic came up, you know, because panda bears, they look so calm and subtle. And the, the, uh, the topic came up, are they dangerous? Panda bear will eat your ass out. Remember, they're a bear. Yeah, they're cute. Uh, but I wouldn't recommend at the zoo doing what some have done, which is get in the cage with them. Because mm-hmm. I'll promise you this, you're not going to get out. Here we go, though. Uh, calm, passive panda bear eating a carrot.
<laughs> it's it's. I mean, there's no manners on that thing. <laughs> it's cute. It's just the best, and, and to watch him do it was just killer. So and, there. You, and Walker eats like this little delicate little fluffy butt. Well, I mean, look at him. Yeah. Uh, but there, there, there you go. Harley, Moose, Panda, and Panda. So satisfying. So fucking good. All right. Uh, we get into this, and and this first one is kind of serious in that we may be looking at the end of this guy. Are we looking at the end of Jimmy Fallon? The reason I bring this up, the ratings are terrible. Uh, But isn't everybody's ratings bad right now? No. Oh. Uh, Case in point, uh, the ratings for this past Monday night's Tonight Show were really bad. Uh, The week averaged the smallest TV audience ever for an original episode of The Tonight Show. Hmm. Only 947,000 viewers tuned in to see Bill Burr and Old Dominion. By comparison, Stephen Colbert on that same night raked in 2.3 million. Mm. Jimmy Kimmel had 1.67 million. Mm. Jimmy Fallon's getting his ass kicked, and it's been happening since 2018. Oh, damn. So now the question does need to be asked Is this it? And then. But you know what about that? I don't care. Well, we don't watch late night TV. <laughs> and if I do, if I do put something in the DVR, it's James. James Corden? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then the question has to be asked, have we seen the last of Bruce Willis? Welcome to the party, pal. So Bruce goes into Rite Aid on Monday, and Rite Aid has a sign at the front, mask required. Bruce went in to the Rite Aid. He had a a handkerchief around his neck. Bandana, yeah. A bandana around his neck. He was asked, could you please pull your bandana up? We require masks. He refused. And he was then invited to leave, which he did. I'm not going to say I'm a little disappointed in him. It is what it is. He refused, and he left. Then... They had a picture of him standing there, and it was clearly Bruce. Um, And he realized it was a thing. So then his quote was, um, mask up, everybody. I'm trying to find the exact quote, but it's not there. But that's what he said. That was his response. I had a, a bad call in judgment. And I'm encouraging everybody to mask up. But he didn't. He was asked to. He refused. And he was ejected from the location. So we'll see how that goes. Did you have a comment you wanted to make? I don't. I just said I'm very disappointed in that. Did you have a comment about the uh, pandemic? No, no. I'm being a good girl. Are you? Trying to be. We're sitting there at uh, dinner last night. And this, of course, is after... Uh, cocktail hour wine and uh, Linda looks at me TV's going the local news I mean not local the uh, network news David Muir that's who we watch and Linda looks at me and she says 
I made a promise to myself that I won't yell at the TV anymore during the news. Within seconds. But then I said, but it's really hard not to. And then, and then it was over. <laughs> <clears throat> but good job. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, I tried. Proud of you. Way to, way to go. Yeah, I tried. All right, here's something you've never wondered about and never will again. Somebody put a price tag on certain planets. Oh, I bet Uranus is expensive. Um, it's not. Now, this, by the way, researchers, this was done. That went right over his head. <clears throat> no, Uranus. I got it. Uranus. I got it. Okay. I heard it. I just decided to let it, let it do its thing on its own. It doesn't need anything from me. Let it gravitate there? Yes. See what you did? Um, researchers at the University of California did this, and they need to find something else to do. Uh, they looked at the planet's age, size, temperature, mass, and other stats, and they figured out, being the geniuses that they are, that the Earth is the most valuable planet in the solar system. Really? Really? Because it's got all the shit, right? Uh all right, so Mars, well, I'll just go ahead and give you the king. They determined that Earth is worth around five quadrillion dollars. Wow. That's a lot of money, I think. Yeah, I think it is. More than a million. More than a billion. I think so. More than a trillion. Yes. And by the way, a quad- Is it more than a gazillion? quadrillion I think it is that's a lot of a lot of money that's a lot of money it's close to the money that Jeff Bezos the guy who founded Amazon is has. making now He's off of everybody that. Uh, that is for those of you that have never seen a quadrillion written out that is a five and 15 zeros wow um the, by comparison, Mars is worth $16,000 <laughs> and Venus is one cent. Venus? Oh, it's because she's hot. I don't know. She's hot and got nothing to offer. Matthew told me, <clears throat> we were talking about, I told you, Matthew knows a little bit about everything. He is a very smart kid and it's why I'm fairly positive he's not mine. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about Neptune. And I said to Matt, just in talking, I said, so uh, what would the temperature be if you're standing on the surface of Neptune? And I'm going to go ahead and say that I think it was Neptune we're talking about, but it's clearly one of the nine planets in our system. And Matt goes, well, that would be impossible to know. And I said, why? And he said, because you can't actually stand on the surface of Neptune. Why? And he said, because it's really nothing more than gas. It's not a physical planet per se. The gravitational pull is holding particles together to form what looks like a planet, but you can't stand it. You would fall through it. Damn. Crazy. Yeah. And that's your son. Yeah. You gave birth to that. Yeah. Um. All right, well, there's always fun with this shit. What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? Lie in the morning. 
Uh, it says here, Derek Burgey left his home in Minnesota to enjoy some fun in Vegas. Uh, and he did that. He walked away with $26,000 after putting $100 down on a four-leg parlay that hit big. But what made Derek's parlay even more special is that he he didn't remember making the bet. He was drinking. He was so drunk. He was. It was 3.30 in the morning. Oh. He placed his bet on a bunch of Minnesota teams and won huge. Derek slept through every single one of the games. Oh, no. While recovering in his hotel room, but he woke up to learn that he had the winning ticket. <laughs> well, good for him, I guess. Yeah. Always good, always nice. Thought I had some Hawaii music, but I don't, apparently. I don't see it. Fuck. Um, the latest trend in wedding planning is apparently newlyweds taking separate honeymoons. Okay. Well, first of all, there's not a lot of people getting married. And secondly, not a lot of people are traveling. What's the date on that? Uh, March 18th, 2019. Yeah. That's re- that's right when all this shit happened. Well, apparently this is a thing. They call them solo moons. Why would you do that? Why even get married? Well, that's what it says. The biggest question is why. It seems conflicting schedules and demanding jobs as well as more independent outlook on the institution of marriage. And in some cases, simply being unable to agree on where they would go for the honeymoon. Oh, my God. This is just stupid. So they're splitting up. This is just people making up shit, writing things down. How do you know that? Because this is just dumb. All right, here's a question. Did y'all have fun on your honeymoon? Uh, I did. I went by myself. What is something you did as a kid that was definitely not safe or healthy? Hmm. What about yours? Give me a minute to think. Well, pretty much everything. Well, I was always trying to kill my sister. I mean, trying to pull her teeth out with rusty pliers, trying to talk her into jumping off the roof um, with an umbrella, making her think that she was Mary Poppins. That's good. Um, Almost uh, killed her when I took that... uh, um, when I told that boy I could drive and I he let me have his car and I ran into that ditch and there was Debbie on the other side and the water was coming in. It's amazing she's alive. I think that would be the case for pretty much any of us. Um, yeah, for me, life was an adventure and I was out doing things. Um and I never learned from it. It was it was a lot of fun. I I uh, had seen zip ties on TV, uh, or or the facsimile of one, and I had two trees in my yard. And I got the idea: if I tied a rope to the bottom of one tree trunk, and then I tied the other end of the rope to the top of another tree, and if I put a piece of garden hose on the rope, I could slide down it. So I spent the entire afternoon rigging that up. I got up there. I grabbed a hold of the piece of uh, garden hose, and it worked great. I slid down about halfway until it got stuck, and it threw me off. I did several flips. It was vertigo, so I don't know. I'm really actually incredibly lucky that I landed on my butt. 
because uh, if I, I could have easily, I was flipping. I, if I'd landed on my head, it could have killed me. Mm-hmm. However, I learned nothing from that. It was great. <laughs> it was great. And, and I did, other, so it was very adventurous. And I, I take uh, uh, no remorse in it. It was fantastic. I really, really enjoyed it. <laughs> my sister, um, I would wake up each day. We were five years apart, like you. Mm-hmm. And uh, each day was, what can I do to make her life hell? So, yeah, but it was the opposite on my end. <clears throat> I, I was the older one doing that. Uh, I, uh, I, uh, we were down in the basement uh, sweeping up. It was a chore given to us. And I don't like chores, and I didn't like being told what to do. Uh, and I was holding the dustpan. And my sister didn't like me, and I didn't like her. And she made some rude comment to me. Uh, I don't remember what it was. Pissed me off. I had the dustpan, and she had the broom there on the phone. So I took the dustpan, and I shoved it at her under the broom. She screamed, pulls it away. Her big... Oh, God, that makes my legs hurt. Oh! Her big toenail was standing straight up. The edge of that dustpan had lifted that thing up. I got my ass kicked. Oh, you know, you pull up one toenail, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're in trouble. Um, John in the chat said, note to self, never ride with Skeeter. Look, I was 13. I did not know how to drive. You told the guy you did. I know. That's because my uncle would used to let me drive around, and so I thought I could drive. Oh, and there was also the time where I told her, I talked her into her jumping the ditch because I told her that she could make it on her bike and well she she didn't why would she listen to you I don't know I, don't. I mean at some point I would learn and also I there's also a correction in here from it because um from Bob D you said 2019 mm-hmm. that was two years ago I know that was I was thinking that was last year for some reason I keep thinking we're still in 2020 so that was two years ago, and that stupid shit's coming out. All right, well, this also is from March 18th, 2019. So this is really true now. Question is, is the wallet dying? No question. Oh, yeah. Apple Pay and Google Pay are like pretty much everywhere these days, and digital IDs are becoming more common. So you need to have everything other than your phone, or do you need anything other than your phone when you're out? The answer is no. We don't go out. A new survey found 45% of respondents think wallets will be obsolete in five years. I have it. I still have one and it's in my briefcase, which I don't use the briefcase either. Yeah. Um, I haven't used a wallet in my pants <laughs> in years. That just sounded funny. I just put credit cards in my front pockets and cash in my back and move on. The whole, I never liked it. The whole idea of taking a thick leather thing and putting it in your back pocket. I tried it. My mother, I think, gave me one for Christmas. It was uncomfortable, and I bailed on it rather quickly. So, Apple Pay, Google Pay, whatever it is, I got to get on board with that thing because I would love to be able to do, like, wave my phone, not touch anything. And it's paid for. Well, the thing is, uh, okay, I understand that. But you still need to carry a driver's license. You need your insurance no, card. No. Your your ID is on your phone now. Mm. Yeah. 
your insurance card because they got to make copies of it when you go to the doctor. I'm sure that can your, be on your, your phone. Your AAA card in case your car breaks down. All of this can be on your phone. You don't. The idea is because eventually there's going to be no cash. We're not going to have it. it. You won't have to touch anything. Mm. You just flash up a gadget. Okay. And I wasn't kidding. When they shut down that Disney attraction, they just opened the gates and let the animals roam. They did. Animals at the water park. There were animals there. I looked it up. They were I looked it up to make sure the guy or girl, I'm so no. sorry, I don't remember, was right. No. It was a water park. No. Yeah. But, but there were animals like hippopotamuses. Oh, ah, yeah. Water animals. Uh, there were penguins. Was there water buffalo? Yeah. And they let them go. They just opened the gates. We don't want to mess with this. Let them roam. And they did. <laughs> um, all right. Well, it says here that the great toilet paper debate has finally been answered once and for all. <laughs> the question being over or under. When you put the toilet roll on the spindle, do you have the toilet paper coming over the top? Coming from the bottom. Over. Now, before I read this, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it's it's preference. I, for one, prefer it over. On the top. So does Walker. It makes him easier to get it and stroll it raw through the house. Here's how bad a uh, tissue problem and addiction that Walker has. And it's bad. Because he'll eat it. He did. He ate one. <clears throat> um, if I have on, <clears throat> excuse me, if I have on a jacket, because I constantly need tissues to wipe the bloody spots where Walker has, has cut me. And so I have tissues. Well, he loves them. But I know that I can't go around him with tissues in my pocket because he smells them. And he, he has taken them from my pocket. So I remove the tissue and I throw it away. When we're watching TV, he can smell that I used to have a tissue and he attacks my pocket. That's how bad it is. So. Oh, and when you're drying your hands with a paper towel, the dog goes crazy. Yeah, he does. It, it, I don't, don't understand. I don't, know, I don't know how he got this. I don't know why it's such a thing. It's what makes dogs the best in the world because they do things that doesn't make any sense. Like when Walker gets really excited while playing, and this is one of my favorite things he does. Walker will always, you've seen puppies and maybe full-grown dogs, they spread out on the carpet in front of you because they want to play. My favorite one is when he also spreads out his back legs. So he's quite literally like on the floor, but diving. Like a pancake. It's, it's, it's incredible. It's the cutest thing in the world, and I love it. Um, now, over or under, it has been answered, and you say over. Yeah. I say over. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to say that most do. Mm -hmm. Since this story comes to us from, oh, oh, a week before, this is March 11th, 2019. That's two years ago. Yep. Uh, thanks to the discovery of a 128-year-old patent. Somebody filed a patent on toilet paper. Oh, because it pulls better from the top, I bet. 
Do you have any more you want to add? No. The 128-year-old patent dated September 15th, 1891. You were there. That must have been exciting. See, that's an age joke that she likes. Which I'm... I All this time, I have loved that Mark has been older than me. Now, I'm a little jealous. Because you're going to get your shot before I get my shot. Yep. Because you're a fucking old. Yep. And I, you know, see, we're up where it doesn't matter anymore. I'm not that much older than you. Well, Just so you know. No, I, I realize that. But you're old <clears> enough <throat> this time that you're going to get your vaccine before I get mine. Mm-hmm. Motherfucker. Yeah. Fucking old lucky fart. Go ahead and cuss me all you want, but I will be vaccinated and you will not. Oh, fuck. It's raining now, Mark. I'm in the middle here. It's cold and windy and it's raining now. Uh, the patent which was dated September 15th, 1891, included a detailed drawing showing the toilet paper goes over the top, not under. Mm -hmm. So, when you are putting your toilet paper on the spindle and you do it to where the toilet paper comes from the bottom, you are breaking the law. You're breaking the patent. You are. And you need to know that. Mm -hmm. You need to be aware of that issue. There we go. It's all handled. And this question, and I've got music for it. used the lyrics a second ago, but since we're close now, let's listen to the sound of whoever this is. Boys to men. Boys to men. Close your eyes Make a wish And blow out the candlelight For tonight is this Question, do you have a sex bucket list? I thought you were going to say a sex bot. Do you? Uh, I, I am old. I do not. According to a new survey, 60%, 60% of respondents said they do have a sex bucket list. Mm. Topping the list is... In fact, I, they, they they listed three. I'll give them to you. The ass. This is not your bucket list. This is people that responded to the survey. Number three. A threesome. Again, not this. This is people who responded to the survey. I don't think you did. Uh, girl on girl. Wow. Learning quite a bit. Big black dicks. Wow. That's got to be there. Does it? Yeah. All right. Here we go. Let's find out. Okay. Shall we? Yeah. And I got to tell you, this list that I'm looking at, compared to the shit she's been saying, completely <laughs> lame. 
nowhere near as fruitful. Number three. 25% on their sex bucket list is they would like to use an adult sex toy. I thought everybody had one of those. 27%, number two, 27% would like to do it in a body of water. Wow. Number one, number one, 30% Doggy style, doggy style, yeah! of those responded this is number one they want to have sex in a car (laughs) this is a great song it is a great song I'll tell you what else is a great song. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we don't have that many today, so I'm just going to give it to you. And then I'm going to try... Do you think I can fit six in there? (laughs) what she said. Uh, it depends on how long the names All are. All right, so. Let's just find out. All right, on uh, 1-8, Mark White turned 68, someone older than you. Perfect. Um, his wife. Wait, 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 wait. He's 68. Yeah. I'm 65. I said someone older than you. Oh, I thought you said he's one older than no, you. No, someone okay. older than All you. Right. All right. Uh, Mark <clears throat> and his wife's birthday is later this month. They are fighting coronavirus, so oh, I hope that they... Uh, uh, recover soon and feel better. Who was this? Uh, Mark White. Uh, on and Devin and his wife got it. Oh shit! Yeah. Mm. On one twelve, Sarah Feliciano turned fifty nine. What is today? I don't even know what today's date is. It's Friday. Oh, it's the fifteenth. On one thirteen, Kelly Ketchum from Frackville, Pennsylvania, turned thirty five. Nurse Allison turned 56, and Paula from Oregon turned 65. And on 1-5, Marty from Fallbrook, California is turning 59. So there's six. So what do you think? I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shorten Allison's name to Allie. That might get me there. You feel good? Yeah. Here we go. I haven't done this in a very long time. All right. Good luck. Thanks. Mark, Sarah, Kelly, Allie, Paula, Marty. Yay! Happy birthday, everybody. Well, we certainly hope you have a great week. By the time we speak next, we're going to have a new president 
officially sworn in. His name is President Joseph Biden. I'm not making any comments. No, I'm not either. I'm being a good girl. God, he was sound asleep. Look at his poor face. <laughs> like, Jesus, God, what was that? Um, and I have no idea what we're going to be doing this week, which is fine. I like the drama of it. I loved having Todd on today. Todd is always great. Yeah. Always. So all of you go have a fantastic January. Is it January? It's, it's, it's January 15th, we just found out. 2021. I, I really have had the issue of what day is it. Yeah, and then every my... day is Saturday to me. We're close, though, people. We're close. Almost fingers crossed. Go have a good week. Bye, y'all. Tell you what I think about it. I think that is very, very bad for that man to make an accusation like that. That is terrible. I have never, ever, since I've managed, ever told a pitcher to throw at anybody, nor will I ever. And if I ever did, I certainly wouldn't make him throw at a fucking 130 hitter like LaFay or fucking Bavacqua, who could hit water if he fell out of a fucking boat. And I guarantee you this, when I pitched, and I was going to pitch against a fucking team that had guys on it like Bavacqua, I sent a fucking limousine to get the cocksucker to make sure he was in the motherfucking lineup because I kicked that cocksucker's ass any fucking day in a week. He's a fucking motherfucking big mouth, I'll tell you that. <laughs>